0: Welcome back to the two months podcast presented by sheena Boychuk real estate i'm your host joshua marshall i got my co-host with me phil stockley phil how's it going doing pretty good today bud yes that's good buddy that's good yeah i know it's uh yeah pretty pretty good over here busy time for us a lot going on uh blue jays baseball and playoffs for uh for that and MLB um you know NHL's uh slowly getting going here another another week one one
1: day closer
0: to opening night eh pretty much yes we're getting there we're getting there for sure so uh and uh yeah nothing nothing to uh nothing that I'm just excited man it's crazy there's uh, so much going on but uh yeah nothing to complain about at all um there's a lot going down and a lot of great going down too so that's uh you know, a lot of our uh, our guests that we've had throughout the year are getting ready to, you know, get that NHL season, and some are in the in the AHL, and some are even in the junior ranks too. And uh, you know, that's pretty sweet in, in its own. But uh, how are things with you? How are the boys? They're getting fired up too, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, we got our fir- we got our first exhibition game uh, for the U11s. They're going to play Camrose this weekend, so that should be good. They they had their first practice with their new teams last night and. Uh, they, they got kind of round through the paces. I, I was telling the, the head coach there in, on uh, on my older boy's team, he looked like torts. He had kids laying on the ice. They were exhausted. So it's good. Bag. Get them into shape. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, the body bags are laying
0: down just like they were in Philadelphia last year. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what the Flyers do. But uh, more interesting to see what the uh, Washington Capitals do, because we got a very special guest with us uh, this evening, don't we, Phil?
1: Yeah. Speaking of, speaking of coaches, we have, uh, he is the reigning AHL coach of the year. Uh, he also won it the year before that, uh, with the Calgary's farm team. Uh, Mitch Love is joining us tonight.
0: Yeah, no, uh, very, uh, very excited and, uh, looking forward to, uh, you know, hearing from him and in hearing from what people think about this interview. Cause, uh, you know, his, uh, his road to the nhl is a great one and it's an interesting one and i think everyone's going to get to listen to that as they uh, get going here but i'm excited to uh yeah just to get that going for sure he uh he, this is a guy i've uh, i've kind of watched throughout we're the same age so uh you know kind of it was pretty cool to kind of see him grow up and you know get hit, get an opportunity and a lot of people that I know that have played with him. So, uh, as everyone will hear throughout the interview, but, um, you know, it's pretty, uh, pretty exciting. And, uh, obviously Matthew Phillips is a big fan of him too, isn't he?
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, just, just on another like side note, like you were just saying like how young this guy is and how bright his future probably is as a head coach, like he's got such a long career ahead of him. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, kind of, kind of cool to get in here in his, in his early days in the NHL and see what happens.
0: Exactly. So uh, everyone is uh, tuned in to
1: listen to our interview with Mitch Love
0: and we're going to get to that interview right now. So uh, let's get to our interview with Mitch Love of the Washington Capitals. Our NHL news and notes segment is brought to you by Sheena Boychuk. Yes, you heard that last name, right? That's Sheena Boychuk. As a licensed realtor, Sheena has you covered to buy and sell your home in this hot market. She also offers home consulting services to help you upgrade your living space. Check her website out at SheenaBoychuk.com and tell her the Two Months Podcast sent you Realty by Design, your design approach to real estate. We'd like to thank Sheena for jumping on. This is a new sponsor for us. We're very excited to have her join us here on this Two Months Podcast journey.
1: Much fans, our next guest played parts of six seasons in the WHL with Moose Jaw, Swift, Curran, and Everett. Five seasons in the AHL where he played 278 games and accumulated over 800 penalty minutes. He then transitioned into coaching role, back with Everett for seven years. In 2018, got the head coaching gig with the Saskatoon Blades. In 2020, won gold as an assistant coach for Team Canada at the World Juniors. In the summer of 2021, would accept the head coaching role with the Calgary Flames Farm Team, the Stockton Heat, and then the following season with the Calgary Wranglers, where he would win the AHL Coach of the Year in both of those seasons. This season, he takes his talents to the NHL. Please welcome to the podcast, assistant coach from the Washington Capitals, Mitch Love. Mitch, how's it going?
2: It's good, Phil. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great introduction there, and uh, it's good to be chatting some hockey here with you and Josh tonight.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to start off with uh, last night. Uh, we we had Matthew Phillips on our podcast uh, this summer, and he's a great kid, and uh, you've got to kind of bring him along here. Uh, big overtime win last night and a uh, great goal for him. Uh, what was your perspective on that?
2: Uh I mean, obviously, uh, you know, my relationship with Matt over the last couple of years has, has been a real strong one. Um, he's been, you know, arguably probably outside of Dustin Wolf, um, you know, our MVP on our team in, in Stockton and in Calgary last year. So, um, you know, the things that he, he does on a day to day basis as a player and a, and a, and a teammate off the ice, um, I'm never really that surprised by Um you know, it's a fun. Funny story. We uh, we're going into overtime last night, and uh, there's you know on my on the bench, Kirk Muller, who you guys are familiar with. Um, you know, Spencer, who's running the bench, obviously, and Scotty Allen, who's you know longtime coach. He stands between myself and Spencer, and so I'm I'm working with the D, and you know, I kind of cruise by Spencer as we cross over and and uh, switch sides, heading into overtime, and and I just said, hey, these are the three D. I plan on using. Yeah, all good. And um and then Scotty Allen comes to me, he goes, Hey, is uh Phillips, can he play in overtime? And I'm like, Yeah, no, he can play in overtime. I've used him for a time or two before. And kind of as a few rotations went on and on, and we had a pretty good uh showing in overtime the last night against Boston, really possessed the puck well. Um, you know, I pop out there about a minute and a half left. You see uh see Matthew out there and and then obviously to get the game winners is a pretty cool moment uh for him and his family and and he's had a heck of a camp to this point and, and he's really making a case for himself here to, you know, uh, start the season in the national hockey league.
1: Yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty awesome to see, especially for a kid uh, who uh, he's really pushing for a, for a spot on that NHL team. And uh, we, we kind of said it like when he was here, like we, in Calgary, we, we, we are really disappointed to let him go, but to see him go, but at the same time, you know, we're kind of rooting for him too. Cause, cause of his situation. And, uh, but we, we can get back to Matthew Phillips a little later. I'm going to toss it over here to, to, to Bosco. He's gonna, he's gonna start, uh, with you with minor hockey. So,
0: uh, Mitch, how's it going? So hopefully everything's going good. And, and uh, I'm super excited to, uh, to kind of interview you. We're the same age here. So we're both 39 or oh. 84 born. So, um, I never got to the level that you got to, but I always got, I had a few friends and as we're kind of saying before we recorded, uh, you know, grew up with Johnny, went to, went to school with him and grew up with him in the North side of Edmonton here. And, um, just kind of where, where did it all start for you? Um, I know it says on hockey DB, you're from Quinnell, British Columbia. Is that kind of where you played in, in your minor hockey and everything kind of started there for you?
2: Yeah, I, I grew up there and, you know, like any youngster on, on the, on the blades, uh, pretty early, um and grew up with my minor hockey days right up to my uh, completion of my first year Bantam um, and and left Cornell and went to Wilcox, Saskatchewan and actually played at Notre Dame uh, college there uh, for a year and um, at 15. So it was my second year Bantam. Um, You know, you know, I I think coming from a small town in, in British Columbia, which, you know, had a junior B team. A lot of the years I grew up there, Turned to the you know Junior A program, the Quinnell Millionaires. Um, but all during that time, uh, for me and, and, and hockey growing up, the, the Prince George Cougars moved from Victoria to Prince George. Um, so there was a few other options between Western Hockey League and Junior A. And, and as, as I kind of went through it and, and got a little more serious about the game itself, uh, obviously making the move as a, as a 15-year-old to Saskatchewan, living in a dorm and and doing all that stuff, Um you know you, the the choices you had as a player between Junior A and Western Hockey League. Um, you, you know it's it's probably a little more prevalent prevalent now in terms of the options and 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 whatnot for young players. Um, but that time, I, I kind of when the Prince George Cougars moved to Prince George, uh, I was really intrigued by that. I was intrigued by the new building. I was intrigued by five thousand fans a night every night and watching that team when they first got there. Um, and, and I always told my dad, I was like, hey, I, this is the league I want to play in. If I'm fortunate enough and I'm good enough to play in it, this is the league I want to play in. And, uh, you know, ended up bouncing around in the Western Hockey League for five years and then on to pro and then in coaching.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, so talk about like was the transition, you know, from, you know, junior rank, like getting into the junior ranks. Was that a, was that a hard one, you know, and um, how that process was of getting uh you know going to moose Jaw to start off and kind of being further away from home like how did that process go and how did you like your time and you know in the whl for the first couple of years that you were there in moose Jaw?
2: yeah it was good like i you know just to take a step back a little bit like i you know i was never drafted i, I felt I, I personally felt and this is just me i'm a competitor um and and really want to do well whatever i'm doing and and you know, I wasn't drafted in the Bantam draft, so that was kind of a shot to me. Um, you know, again, I was from a small rural town that where there wasn't a lot of attention. We didn't go to big tournaments like the lower mainland of B- B.C., so it was tough to get showcased. But um, that was part and parcel. Of the move for me to go to Wilcox was just the attention, the tournaments we'd go to, um, you know, the coaching, living a dorm life and growing up maybe a little bit quicker than than, than another 15-year-old that I grew up in my hometown with. Um so I, I ended up taking a free agent invite to Moose Jaw, went, went there. There was, there was actually, back in the day, it was an email. It was a letter, as you probably remember, Josh. Yeah. It was a letter in your mail, and you, you were racing to that mailbox every day to see what, what team had sent you an invite to their camp or whatever. So Moose Jaw actually was the first team that hit my mailbox. And so, you know, I had probably 10 other WHL teams to token, hey, come to camp. You know, come to our rookie camp and see what happens. So I I was loyal to that that first piece of mail from Usha. Uh, Went there, had a good camp, ended up getting listed uh, with the Warriors, and and then went to Notre Dame for my second year banner. Yeah. And went through that there, and, and had a good season. Uh, you know, that year we had the first and second overall Bantam picks, which was Braden Coburn, who we all know, and, and uh, Stefan Meyer were the first over or first uh, two picks in the Bantam draft. And obviously, those guys went on to have some some NHL careers themselves. And um, and then I ended up playing a game at fifteen with Musha. They needed a call up one night. We the bus swooped through Wilcox, Saskatchewan. Pretty surreal moment, and uh, picked me up and. And we ended up in Regina or in uh, Brandon that night playing. So, um, you know, my first couple of years of Jaw was great. You know, I had, uh, we had great veteran players that really helped me to learn the league. Um, what it was, what it took to be a young player and, and, uh, in the Western Hockey League and and obviously just tried to continue to evolve myself as I got an older player and, and did the same thing for the younger players coming through. Yeah yeah it's it's it's
0: quite the you know being away from home is tough in in any which way um you know and then was, but but you having that solid kind of foundation of a family and the support um can you kind of talk about you know the support you got from your parents and and family members um you know and all that of like how that process was and in the in any times that they did come out to kind of watch you play too how special that was
2: yeah it's um to be honest with you this was my my dad's idea like he came came home one day with the old vhs and slapped it in at dinner time and was like hey i want you to see the school and you know we're not by any means pushing you out the door to go play hockey in saskatchewan in a small town but you know that we think this might be a good option for you to to grow as a hockey player and also grow as a person. and uh, you know, so I was very thankful and, and and grateful for that opportunity. I mean, back in the day and and you know the costs to go to a private school to play hockey were were tremendous, not not quite like they are nowadays from what I hear, but yeah, it's, uh, but it, it's a pretty penny. and and so that was a sacrifice uh, my my family made for me and and they were very supportive. I mean, they'd come to different events. Um, you know, you get home at Christmas time and whatnot as a youngster. And, you know, we'd always race. I'd talk to them a couple times a week on a pay phone down at the end of the dorm room. Um, you know, you're kind of waiting for a phone because somebody's using it, talking to a family member in Japan or whatever the case might be with with the, the students that went to Notre Dame. And, um, but I, I'm very uh, appreciative of my family and the support they've given me, you know, as a player, as a coach. Um, you know they're 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 people i dearly love and and care about and uh i I know they're proud of me and and that that means a lot to me
0: yeah no that's good it's uh it's nice to kind of get that support i was connecting uh yesterday with uh johnny's wife there she's uh one of our sponsors on our podcast here and just kind of just going over you know just ideas and suggestions and like what it's all about um you know and not forgetting kind of who's around you to support you and, you know, the importance of, you know, being uh, true to kind of the the people that have been there for you your whole entire life and, you know, and always kind of supporting you. Uh, you know, so obviously you go, you start Moose Jaw, then you go over to Swift Current. Um, you know, talk about your time with the with the Broncos before you kind of, Everett was, uh, you finished off in Everett there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a shock move for me when I was 17. Um, Did you, know, you get sixteen? pardon me?
0: Did you get traded? Is that kind of how that it
2: worked? Yeah. Yeah. I got traded at 17. Now the, you know, the end of my 16 year old season in Boucher, there was a coaching change late in the year. Um, Len Nielsen was, was relieved of his duties, uh, as our head coach and, and they brought in Curtis Hunt and Lane Lambert and, uh, my, you know, anytime there's a coaching change, there's going to be, you know, changes in personnel and, yeah. and, you know um i think for me at that time i maybe wasn't a, the right fit for them at, at 17 and you know so we ended up making a one for one swap with with the moose show or with the uh, swift current broncos i was traded for uh 18 year old jared barassa uh saskatchewan kid and um you know it was probably a move that benefited both of us we both got a fresh start um I got an opportunity right away to play with Ian White, um, who at the time, at 17, 18 years old, was one of the best defensemen in junior hockey. Um, yeah, guy who could really bomb the puck, and and you know, I've said, i said, I believe two over, or two seasons over twenty goals as a young defenseman in, in major junior hockey in that area. As an undersized guy, was hard uh, world junior defenseman, and obviously went on to have a really good NHL career for himself um so i was fortunate I played a lot of minutes um you know and then as i went through my 17 year old year and into my 18 year old year i i i knew it was kind of for me if i wanted to get noticed and again wanted to try to make a step to pro hockey or get drafted in the national hockey league i was gonna have to do something i wasn't a very skilled player i didn't put up a lot of points um i i liked to play a rough and tumble game stick up for my teammates and, and decided to to fight a lot that year um you know i believe i had over 40 fights uh, as an 18 year old uh, um and and at that in the era of that time as you know josh like that guys were getting drafted for having 310 minutes mm-hmm. you know uh, whether it was a 6th, 7th round pick um so i felt like okay that's my ticket to get drafted and then from there you that's what you make the most of it in your pro career or trying to earn a contracts next but didn't happen um you know so you know there was you know and, and that was the end of the story, you know. I ended up getting traded um, at the expansion draft whenever it came into the Western Hockey League twenty years ago, and that for me was was a huge move in my career, not just as a player but as a coach now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I don't know if you remember this name, Doug Ockenberg. If you would have played against him yeah. at all, um, yeah, he's uh, he's coaching here in in Edmonton, and I grew up with him. And him and I were talking about you because he he did say he played against you and. whatnot and and but one of the things that kind of was a a turning point in his career was when he got traded and he didn't think he was ever going to get traded he thought that's the organization he was with he was going to play there for the rest of his career when he got traded it kind of played you know some mind games with him because it's like okay what do you mean like i'm doing everything i possibly can for the organization i'm with and then now you trade me and i feel like i'm one of the top players one of the leaders and it kind of plays a bit of a a mental game with you but at the end of the day it makes you the person you are today because you know you did go through some adversity um in that in that in that situation so um obviously like your road to where you're at now is you know i, I think it's a special one and you've always been positive and anyone that's hearing this now is just you know if it's it's press p- it's press play it's just keep moving forward the opportunity is going to come um so when you were finished up in the WHL how did the uh how did it kind of go for for you and with the American Hockey League was you know kind of you, was your agent and your family kind of seeking out some deals or did you get some invites through tryouts um you know and, and it's anyone looks at your hockey DB almost every year you're in a new city so i'm, I'm assuming that must have been somewhat tough too but you're making the best of the situation that you had in front of you
2: Yeah it's a you know i don't tell this story often just because i don't really uh, talk about my uh, my career as a player because I, I you know i was a very average hockey player and, and whatnot but um you know i i was uh, i finished on my overage year in everett uh you know, i spent my off seasons in everett when i was playing there training and whatnot um you know th- at that time i was kind of contemplating okay do i go to school you you know utilize my my free education from the western hockey league uh at the time i kind of wanted to be a police officer um and then i had i had a few east coast League offers you know on different teams i you know san diego gulls were a team and and alaska aces at the time uh were two teams that were, were heavily uh trying to you know recruit me to go play in their program and and so you know i i ended up making a choice I, I signed a you know free agent deal with uh, San Diego Gulls. We're in East Coast Hockey League, and and it was an opportunity for me to have a, a rookie camp invite to Anaheim. That was their affiliation at the time; still is now. And uh, you know, so I I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't in great shape that off season. I, I was a big guy. I was I was over two hundred and five pounds. Um, you know, I I wasn't in great shape. I you know, I that's that was on me as a, as an athlete. Um, I, I kind of knew I had a little bit of runway in terms of my off season still to go play in the East coast hockey league, you know, cause they have a later start. Um, and, and so I, I had some time and then I got a call one day from my agent, uh, Ross Gurney at the time out of, out of Vancouver. And he says, Hey man, uh, Colorado avalanche got some heavy interest in you bringing you to training camp. And I'm like, well, I thought I was going to Anaheim's camp. And he's like, no, scrap that deal. We're going here. And I'm like, okay. So I ended up go, you know, fast forward a month, I go end up going to Colorado's camp. So now I'm in a bit of a panic in terms of getting prepared and getting in better shape and going to face altitude in an NHL camp there. Um, and I remember I was so out of shape. I, I was, you know, again, big guy, altitude, trying to keep up with Joe Sackick and Milan Hayduk and Adam Foote and all these guys, the, you know, the heavy hitters of the Avalanche at, at that time. And, uh, I remember we were doing a conditioning drill one day and I, I, I ended up seizing up. I I couldn't finish the conditioning drill at practice. It was embarrassing. I I ended up going to the training room. They pumped me with IV. I got guys, veteran guys walking in there, like almost laughing at me, which as they should be, because it was embarrassing. Yeah. And, um, so, it, it, for me, that was a bit of an eye opening experience of just how much you have to put into the game of hockey. And I think it's evolved itself now in terms of what these guys do in their training and, and how they take care of themselves and the resources that are, that are available to them. Um, but somehow I was survived that camp after that and, and ended up going to the American League and played a couple of exhibition games and had a couple scraps with a couple of veteran guys in the American League out east when our team was in Lowell, Massachusetts. And, and then Colorado, I don't know, somehow, I, I don't know if they had the blinders on or what, but they gave me an entry-level free agent contract for three years. So that was pretty cool. You know, that was a pretty cool moment. Um, bounced around their minor league team and, and, you know, for the most part, stuck it in the American Hockey League for those three years in their organization and and then kind of bounced around on a couple American League deals my last couple of years before I ended up my career in uh, the Central Hockey League.
0: Yeah, um, you know, talk about that a little bit with uh, your time with Johnny Boychuk. Obviously, you were saying, uh, you know, his wife uh, sponsors the segment, and uh, just a good guy. I'm sure you got many funny stories, but um, you know, kind of his path was was a was a very long one too to to where he got to. But uh, you know, it's and I, I just have a lot of credit because. You know i don't want to keep going back to this but it, it's just I'm, I'm super happy for you to where you are now because you totally deserve this opportunity but um you know it, there's so much perseverance that has to go through those days um you know that are that somewhat can be tough but you know did you you and johnny kind of lean on each other Does was there other guys you guys you you leaned on it seemed like you guys had a, a pretty close-knit group there for a while
2: yeah you know what like with johnny um you know again both of us were defensemen so we spent a lot of time with each other we're the same age we played junior against each other um he was a very good junior defenseman um you know hard to play against big shot and 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 so i didn't really know him until we ended up in lowell together and then obviously we're in albany together a little bit in cleveland before he basically made the move to colorado and was an nhl regular so you know Johnny's, as you know, is a, is a, a happy-go-lucky individual. Uh, that's how I remember him. I yeah. haven't seen Johnny in a long, long time. Um, but man, he was he, he he played hard. I mean, he blocked shots, hit, fight, score. I mean, he, he did it all. Especially in minor pro hockey, um, you know, he found his niche uh, to to make it to the National Hockey League and and win in the National Hockey League, which is hard to do. Um, and so. You know we had some we had some good times, especially off the ice as young guys being rookies together. Um, you know, and we had a good group of veteran players that that were good to us and um, you know really helped us along. And, and I you know obviously I followed his career and, and the success he's had and uh, watching his family grow. Um, you know it's been pretty pretty cool to watch. Yeah,
0: yeah for sure. Um, before I toss it over to Phil, he's going to do some coaching stuff here. Um, you know I'll kind of open the coaching conversation up with was when you were playing was always that that coaching eye always kind of a thing for you and, and the reason why I asked is I was listening to an interview today and um, some of the people talked about the reason why maybe Connor Bernard is such a good player is because he always kind of sees the play developing before it kind of is always kind of studying the play before um, with you um, was that something that it was always there for you is you know that coaching kind of tree and then what kind of you know coaches that you had throughout your career? Um, how much did your father have an influence on? Maybe being—I don't know if he was one of your coaches throughout your career—and and who kind of, you know, that you looked up to, and then you know, kind of, and who gave you the first opportunity to give yourself the, you know, the role of of being maybe an assistant coach to start, and then turning into a head coach.
2: It's a good question. Um, You know, I'll back it up to to my upbringing. i, I mean, my father and my mother the, the, the biggest things that they taught me as a young, young kid, uh, whether it was academics or, or in, in sports was just the work ethic that's involved in anything you do and, and, and how competitive you gotta be. And, uh, so that's something that kind of followed me throughout my career as a player. And and even as a coach, um, you know, those are, those are values that I, you know, I, I'd lean on for, for my daughter and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, so I think that's where that kind of started. And then in terms of coaching, I mean, I've told you guys a few times on this podcast, like I wasn't a very good player. So I, you know what, I, I found time, especially in pro hockey where I had to find a niche and I maybe didn't play as much as I did in junior, um, but I, try, I had to survive. I had to try to earn a living. And and, and so my niche was being a good teammate, sticking up for teammates, um, being a good role player. But that being said, I think, as my career went through the american hockey league you, you you know you maybe sit on the bench or you you know and you you kind of you hear the coach during the game talking to the players so you're kind of grasping that but also in my role i, I needed to be detailed i needed to know the system i needed to know what coach wanted everybody to do so when i got my opportunity it was maybe going to allot me another shift or two of that period and so i think my mind it started to turn a little bit into I got to be really detail-oriented. I got to be really organized. I got to work extremely hard, be competitive at whatever I do. And it kind of led me into my coaching career. And and as I kind of finished up, um, I was in the back of my mind. I still didn't – when I had to retire at 26, I had some some hip ailments that wouldn't allow me to play anymore. Um, I I really didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do here with hockey. Like, am I going to stay in hockey? Am I getting out of it? And I was fortunate enough to, you know, get hired by Doug Soto, who, who was my general manager in Everett when I was a player, um,
1: and brought me on as a coach. And then, you know, here I am today. Phil? Yeah, so I was I was just going to ask, so, like, how did that transition go? Did, did, did he approach you, or did you approach them and say, hey, this is something I'm kind of interested in doing?
2: Literally, Phil, I, I, I was... I was rehabbing to try to get back to playing hockey, um, whether it was an East Coast Hockey League, maybe try overseas. And, you know, finally, I kind of had a visit with a, with a doctor in Bellevue, Washington in, in July of that summer and was like, he's like, I would not advise you to continue to play. Um, and and so I was in sheer panic. I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any sort of income coming my way. I had a a, a wife at the time, a new home. Uh, so it was sheer panic. And, and so, you know, I approached the organization and ever, just as I had a relationship with management and, and ownership there and, and the coaching staff that was there at the time. And they were in a bit of a flux moment. They, they had hired a new coach. Um, the assistant coach, Jay Verity, who's now in Detroit as an assistant coach, a uh, good relationship with him. Uh, he was on his move to France to be a head coach in pro hockey over there. So there was an opening on the staff. Um, and again, like I mentioned earlier, I, I was fortunate to get hired by Everett and by Doug Sotardi he gave me an opportunity. I actually broke in as a strength and conditioning coach slash assistant coach, just to kind of, you know, give me a dual, uh, dual role, um, to get me started. And, and then, you know, just kind of evolve from there.
1: So you're, so how many years did you spend in Everett as an assistant coach?
2: Seven years, uh, and four different Four different head coaches I worked with there,
1: so that must have been tough hey so like every coach is like new new systems new yeah that'd be that'd be that'd be a tough transition every single time uh so at what point in the as an assistant coach did you think hey like maybe maybe i could uh i could transition and be a head coach of one of these teams
2: well I'd be lying to you if i i didn't say that i thought over maybe the last two head coaching decisions they made that i could have maybe stepped into that role um but you know the team hired kevin constantine who i played for uh both in in everett uh, for two years and, and in american hockey league in houston uh so i got an opportunity to work with kevin for four years and and then um you know they you know he he had left the organization there was a mutual parting and, and and he moved on to europe and You know, they hired Dennis Williams, who's had an unbelievable run in Everett and obviously a world junior coach, um, you know, also a gold medal winning coach. Um, So I I had an opportunity to continue to learn from two different head coaches um, along with the other two that I had, you know, previous to them. And, you know, I, I felt like over that, maybe that last year I was in Everett, so it was year seven, we took the team to the finals and lost to the Swift current team. That was very, very good. And um, I, I felt like you know I, I'm, I'm ready to if there if there's an opportunity I you know whether I apply and reach out or somebody reaches out to me this is what I want to do. Um, and fortunate Saskatoon, uh, Colin Priestner and his family reached out and and uh, had three great years there with that organization.
1: Yeah, so you become a head coach, you become a head coach in Saskatoon. Uh, what was like the workload difference? Like like how did it how did it how did it feel going from uh, maybe taking orders from a head coach to, to being the guy in charge of a team?
2: Uh it was different. Um you know, I, I was a little bit familiar with some of the some of the guys on the staff. We had Ryan Keller who I played against in and and junior. Uh he was a carryover from the previous staff. I had an opportunity to hire a guy, I hired Ryan Marsh um to come in and, and you know, I had a relationship with him, and his family we were both from Cornell, British Columbia, originally. Um, so I, I felt very comfortable in terms of the support I had and and, and the work ethic I had around me. Um, that you know, I could you know really uh, delegate different roles to those two coaches. And but there's no doubt about it as a head coach, and I'm seeing it now even at this level with with Spencer and you know being a head coach. And you know, you sit back in assistant coach's chair and you're like. Man, he's doing a lot of stuff right now. Like he, he's being tugged in different, whether it's managing media, players, uh, trainers. It's a little different than being an assistant coach, and uh, you know, so there, there's that that goes on. But that's part of the business, and that's that's you know, the, the people that can manage everybody and the best typically is a is a pretty darn
3: good coach. Are
1: there are there any moments from your time as a head coach in Saskatoon that maybe stand out or? or maybe something that happened that kind of taught you a lesson or anything like that?
2: Um, you know, probably that, you know, my first year we had, a we had a real good team. Uh, we lost in the second round playoffs to Prince Albert, who ended up winning the Western Hockey League that year. Um, you know, we had some hard battles. That's a big rivalry in the Western League of Prince Albert and Saskatoon and you know, there's times I had some more words in the media with Mark Hapscheid, Um, that probably didn't need to happen, but I was probably young and a little bit more immature as a coach. Um, but I was probably also trying to sell a few tickets for for, uh, for the organization at the time. Um, the, the moments that stick out for me were, you know, just watching the players. And that was a team that hadn't made the playoffs in five years before I got there. And we were basically a playoff team for three years, you know, the one year it happened, the other two were COVID uh, cancellations, uh, obviously. Um, but just to kind of see the development of the players that we had there and, and the winning environment that we tried to implement, and they've carried that on here over the last three or four years as well. But, um, you know, the, the year that we spent in the in the Regina dorms for two months during COVID, that was wild. I mean, I, I, I still <laughs> reminisce with our staff you know, that we did that and the players did that. And
1: probably like summer our, camp. Eh?
2: It was, I mean, that as weird as it is, and how awful that was of a time for, our, for our world and, and everything that went on. That was a weird one. You know, that was just every other day at the rank practice, everything was going on. Um, but it's something that will be, I'll tell my family where, you know, my daughter, when she's older and we're sitting around having a beer, you know, like, um, and they won't even that. believe it, eh? Exactly. And it's, I mean, I opened <laughs> yeah. up again for anybody because it was it was quite the experience, you know, mentally it was more than anything, probably.
1: I I I have before we get to um the the Stockton Heat and, and the Calgary Wranglers, uh, something I don't want to really brush over is uh you got to be an assistant coach for Team Canada at the World Juniors twice. Uh who so who calls you and asks you, like, hey, do you want to do this? Or, or how did that all go down?
2: Well, I I had kind of spent three or four years in the Hockey Canada program. I did the under-17s two years in a row. I did an Ivan Olenka tournament in Edmonton. Um, I believe it was 2018. And so I kind of worked my way through the program. Now, once you get to the World Junior side of things, it's, it's a big business in Canada, as you guys know, and, and it's an interview process. So you, you basically... You're put on a short list. You fly to Toronto, and this is at that time. I'm not sure they do it anymore this way. But you fly to Toronto. You're literally in for a two to three hour uh, interview with every commissioner in the West or in the CHL, along with uh, the board of of you know uh, of Hockey Canada uh, management that are picking the coaching staff for that. So it's a pretty intense process. I mean, you you got little. They give you a little bit of pre- preparation time to to be ready for um and you go through that and 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 then they kind of assemble their staff so you know the first time I went through it, I, I kind of heard that Dale Hunter was going to be the head coach so I was kind of knew I was potentially just interviewing for an assistant job um and you know obviously it was very honored and privileged to get get the call um, from Tom Rennie at the, Rennie at the time that uh, that I was going to be assistant ca- coach on the world Juniors and we were going over to Europe and uh, man, that, that, that's one, that's one of the best coaching
3: moments I've had in my career by far. All right, Mutz fans, listen up. So SeatGeek is an amazing app that helps you buy tickets in the easiest way possible. So please, if you ever need to buy tickets to any event, NHL, NBA, NFL, CFL, MLB, or concert tickets, click the link in our description and use promo code 2 to get 20% off your first purchase that's two months pod to get 20% off your first purchase SeatGeek geek it's where it's at
0: so obviously you go to Stockton become the head coach there um, everywhere you've been through coaching you've had a winning record and and your record you know just gets better and better Um but can you talk about your time in Stockton? It's funny. I was listening. Luke Gazzik was on with us not too long ago and, and I, he actually started his own podcast and he had a man Japani on and they kind of were reminiscing about their time in Stockton and how interesting it was with the meetings that you guys would have to have at the start of the year with the local police and all that. But can you talk about maybe the opportunity of going there? And obviously it's, it's a different kind of place, but you know it's an opportunity to kind of do something that you love and and you know helping teach uh, younger players and having the veterans around you too. But can you talk about you know the the experience it was for the for the year you had with the Stockton Heat?
2: Yeah, it was it, it was great. I mean, I, I, again, the city itself and the stuff you hear about the city of Stockton. Yeah, it's a it's a tough town. I mean, yeah. it's blue It It is you know everybody ever. Matt talks.
1: Phillips said it wasn't that bad.
2: It wasn't. Honestly, it wasn't. I I mean, if you asked a lot of our players that season, and I think every player is going to have a different perspective on it. um, Yeah, we had no fans. We didn't have very good fan support. The ice conditions were awful. Um, The boards were sometimes in, sometimes not in. I mean, there was lots of different things that you could get wrapped up with mentally that, that would affect you as a player or coach. But our guys were great. I mean, they we had a good hockey team we won a lot of hockey games so it was enjoyable to come to the rink uh the weather was unbelievable it was 25 30 degrees every day guys live 15 20 minutes outside of downtown where it's a little little rough and tum- tumble um golfed every day went to san francisco went to the um, wine country everywhere uh napa valley it, so the guys really enjoyed it i enjoyed it yeah, I lived right downtown. I lived right across from the rink, so I, you know, I was right in the thick of it each and every day. But I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, we had a lot of fun. And and um, you know, we had a, a special group that year.
1: You, you look looks like you could you could and from your like penalty minutes and stuff like that, looks like you could probably handle yourself if you needed to down in Stockton, eh? Uh,
2: I, I don't know about that. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, that's a different beast. Bro. That's a different beast. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's uh. So obviously, Kay, you go to Calgary. The team, che- the team changes over there. Um, you know, and that opportunity, and and like you talked about with Matthew Phillips and and Dustin Wolf. The uh, you know the the pedigree that Dustin um you know has, and the team that you had there, and um, you know, I think that and where the progression's going. I think that obviously you know you're you're in a different place now, but I think at times still you're always going to be cheering and rooting for the guys that were there because you know that's the next that's that's the whole goal is. Is getting them to the next level as you got to the next level. But can you talk about, you know, the team you had there? You guys had an amazing year. Um, you had an amazing goaltender. Um, just a great group of, of players to kind of work with, a great organization to work with. Um, and we will ask you about uh, Chris Snow too, but, uh, you know, in you know, a, a sad story, but obviously a very positive kind of person. But being around kind of the that organization um, and how much that meant to you.
2: Yeah, it was, it was a great move in, in a sense that, you know, professionally it, it, for me as a young coach to go into a Canadian market, even though kind of American Hockey League was was foreign to the city, but hey, it was the Flames Farm team. So everybody kind of knew the players that were coming through the system that, you know, when they got to the rink. And our, and our attendance over the year got greater and greater last year just because I think the interest and, and whatnot of, of American Hockey League, hockey, it's good hockey. It's, it's yes, good it better, uh, hockey to watch. And so for me personally, it was good to deal with media after every game. In Stockton, I didn't have any media. Like I was yeah. I talked to the coaching staff, general manager, and a few players, and that was it. Run
1: run so, run across the road home, eh? And you're done.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So it was um so working in Calgary and, and, and being a part of that now, it's no no NHL type media, but we had a lot of people interested in the team and what was going on. So it was good for me to go through that and answer the tough questions and and whatnot but um you know we had a really tough start last year we had a lot of turnover in the off season from stockton to calgary obviously you add the move into there and guys are moving from the states up to canada again it's a different beast and so it was it it, we had a really tough start like we 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 were as a coaching staff like, man this this might be a long year we might lose 50 games that was internally what we were saying to ourselves
3: yeah
2: and then we kind of just started plugging, playing guys. And then, you know, Wolfie started to do his thing. And, um, you know, we started to regain what we had last year, even though we had a totally different roster of young players and veteran guys, but we really sold the culture of what we did the year before to like what it takes to win. And and our guys did an unbelievable job to win 51 games. And, and really, we felt we were obviously one shot away in game five in a do or die with Coachella who lost in the final. We felt like we had a championship type team and uh, just came up a little short.
0: Yeah. Is there some players, obviously there's the the marquee names, but is there some of the guys on that team that maybe aren't, weren't often talked about and media wasn't often talking about them, you know, podcasts maybe that aren't, I'm often talking about them because it feels like you you really had a really good group once the groove kind of got better i do remember it kind of being a bit rocky but i just you know from believing in what you know the coaching style that you have and the mindset you have and the people you surrounded yourself with it, it for me i didn't have any kind of worry i thought it was gonna it was gonna get there but it is hard moving from one city to another anyone that's a, that's a tough transition
2: yeah, we had we had a couple veterans that came over uh, that signed new contracts headed into Calgary last summer. so they they understood a little bit of me, uh, our staff, in terms of the expectation, whether it's practice or our workouts or meeting sessions, or, prep or whatever it was. So I think they were really good at bringing you know, all the new veterans in or or the players vying for spots on our team last year. Um, you know, Nick DeSimone is one guy who really sticks out for me. Who's who's still with the Flames and playing in Edmonton tonight, and he he's an unbelievable story. Played his first NHL game last year. At, at, I believe he's 28 or 29 years old now, um, but he was very deserving of that because he's been a good soldier for the Flames organization um, and their young players that came through in uh, the two years he's been there. Um, he's one. I mean, Clark Bishop was another guy. Uh, Brett Sutter. I mean, he he was outstanding for us last year uh, as a as a captain um you know just a just an old school through and through um yeah. you know guys really respected him over a thousand games in american hockey like, that's hard to do i don't care who you are um he, he was outstanding he had phillips um i know i'm missing guys but we we had a really good blend of young players that that brought a lot of energy and juice each and every day and then you know, our veteran guys, they they, they dug in. They're high-character players and, and wanted to do well. Yeah.
0: Phil, you have anything there um, or transition over the couch?
1: Yeah, no. Uh, so, like, like, let's talk about, like, Matthew Phillips. So, like, he goes up to the Flames for, I think he was up there for about a month. Um, did you guys, like, notice, obviously, like, he was missing for a month. Like, are you sitting there as a coach being like, okay, hey, give me this kid back if he's not going to play? <laughs>
2: Well, definitely when I was sitting uh, watching games on my couch, having a beer, uh, you know, and, and they're on the road somewhere and he wasn't playing, I was kind of like, well, hey, you can kick him back if you want and you just call him up tomorrow if you need yeah. him to play the next game. But, hey, that wasn't my call. It was above my pay grade. Um, you know, because, again, you you want guys to get called up. You want them to have success when they get called up. You want them to play when they get called up because it's important to their development, especially as a young player. Um but we we did have a lot of guys that got a call last year, whether they played one game or five games or ten games, twenty games. We had a lot of guys get called up, and I think that was a big reason the team moved to Calgary from Stockton was just that you know the organization under one roof and and just more visuals for management and whatnot of the player. Um, yeah, but uh, that's that's the beast, you know. So that's you lose guys, injury or call ups, and. You know, well, you and I,
1: guess, I guess I guess that's yeah. the that's the tough part about about probably like running an AHL team is like like the greater cause was the Calgary Flames, right? Like that was the that was the the main main team, and and you guys are uh, a direct flow through that team. So if if they need a guy, I guess you don't really have a say, right? So
2: yeah, I was, and I'll be honest, with you, it was tough at times as a coach. I mean, it, you know, like. The big thing, and I think every organization's a little different in terms of their philosophy with young players and, and the development component, um, is balancing developing and winning. And and then for me, they're 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 twofold. I mean, you, you if you want your young players to understand what it takes to win, they gotta learn it in the American Hockey League. And and there's gonna be times where they need to take a day off and watch from up top and see, you know, that the finer things or the little things in a hockey game that we've talked about, they, they need to be executed at some point. And, and so it was a balancing act. It's a great league to coach in. It's a great league to to be a part of. Um, but, I, you know, it was challenging at times because I, you know, I wanted to, uh, you know, maybe play a veteran player and, and you know, young players got to stay in there. And uh, you understand as a coach, but I'm a competitive guy. I wanted to win. I wanted to be, I wanted us to have success. I, I, I owe it to 25 guys, not just one sometimes, right? Yep. That's, yep, that's absolutely. my mentality. But, uh, you know, it, it's part of the business and, and every organization has a different philosophy on it.
3: This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought. Not all team wear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago and we've been wearing them non-stop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, where did you get that hat? I know what you're thinking, how can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24-7 at ca and use the promo code 2 months for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code 2 months at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show.
0: now transition over to the caps here uh, before we get you out is you know the and i'm a leaf fan so full disclosure i saw spencer Carberry in in toronto last year so um and you know one thing i and i i loved it like i'm married to this game like that like i you know i don't have a significant other i don't have kids my my marriage and my life is to hockey um you know i love like this podcast is my life and connecting with people like you is, you know, means a lot and connecting to the game and watching it and, uh, you know, studying because I think years ago, uh, a, a coach like Spencer Carby, maybe he did get the opportunity, but maybe he only gets like a two year deal. And the fact that he got a four year deal, I think meant a lot. And, you know, when I talked to Elliot Friedman last week about having you on, he, uh, he goes, Mitch love is today's coach. He, he, he's today's coach in the NHL. Same with Spencer. Um, how did that process come up about for you? And you know, going over going over to the Washington Capitals, I I know personally it was hard for me to see you leave the the Flames organization because, again, I'm not standing here and I'm not, I'm not alive today. If it wasn't for the people in that organization, um, you know, anyone that knows my story, Peter Handlin and you know guys like Travis Hamonic and Michael Backlund and. You know brad tree living have done a lot for me with my mental health and things that i've gone through but uh you know i i'm super happy that you got the opportunity to uh get to where you rightfully deserve and that's in the nhl and the here and now but how important in the relationship maybe you had with spencer and how that phone call kind of came about
2: yeah and it's it, just to back that a little bit here josh like those those people you just mentioned like Brad tree living and, and Brad Pascoe, those guys I have a lot of respect for in terms of the opportunity they gave me to get into pro hockey. They took a flyer on me. I had three years of call it that of head coaching experience in the Western hockey league and I'm running their American hockey league team. So I owe them a lot as well. So I'm glad you brought those guys names up and, and and wish them nothing but the best where they're at in Toronto and obviously in Calgary still. Um, but the Washington thing again, you know, it was a, from the time we finished May 20th and, and with the Wranglers to let's call it June 22nd, you know I had a couple of interviews with the Flames for the head coaching position. Uh, great experience for me as a coach, a young coach, to go through. Um, you know, getting grilled on on each end in terms of you know trying to be a head coach in the National Hockey League. Um, so it's something I really will learn moving forward if I get another opportunity. So in doing so. Um, and then, you know, obviously they 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 went in a different direction with Ryan Huska, who's who's a very good coach and has paid his dues in that organization, no doubt about that. Um, and, and and honestly, the first phone call I got when that that was kind of like, "Okay, I, I'm I'm a free agent, or I'm coming back to Calgary to coach the Wranglers uh, with Spencer." And you know, I, I don't know, I didn't know Spencer that well. I mean, we we spent time talking about players when I was in Everett as an assistant coach and he was in South Carolina and he was calling on recruiting, you know, overage players to go play in the coast. Um, and then, you know, fast forward five, six years, we we ran into each other in Calgary at a coaches conference uh, with Hockey Canada because he at the time was in Saginaw uh, in the OHL and and whatnot so we we didn't have a lot of dealings and obviously i followed his path i got a ton of respect of what he's done as a as a young coach um and and the path he's taken it's unbelievable um to get where he's gotten to and and then you know we we both share the same agency so i think there's a little bit of a connection there um and in terms of gil scott kind of putting us in touch with each other and we we just hit it off i mean there's a lot of similarities when I when now I work with Spencer, you know, day after day. There's a lot of similarities to our personalities um, and as and our philosophies as coaches and whatnot. Um, he's probably just a little bit more polished than me right now, um, you know. And that's probably the two years of, of being in the National Hockey League and working under Sheldon in a, in a crazy hockey market. Yeah. Um, but man, he's a smart dude. He's a smart guy. He's organized. He's detailed. Um, I'm learning a ton and, and 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 from our assistant coach, Kirk Muller's been around too, you know, he's been doing this thing. Um, whether he's a player or coach, uh, he's been a head coach in NHL. Uh Scotty Allen's been coaching for 26 years. Uh Kenny McCutton, who's a skills coach slash assistant coach for us, was in Columbus for eight years. The, these guys are for me, I'm being a sponge right now as a young coach, learning from them and you know, the day-to-day life in the National Hockey League as a as a coach awesome uh,
0: before i toss it back over to phil um you know listening to the experts and all these uh, all the guys around the game and they um and very well said by you there too but um let's talk about um the team that you have right now in front of you and in, in the season that it's ahead um you know i'm kind of getting a little tired of people talking oh it's just gonna they're just getting the 73 goals to ov's record and that's all it's about i i do think you guys have A good team, a team that can compete for the Stanley Cup. Um, You know, there are some very important players that you know missed uh, the season last year due to injury, and guys like John uh, John Carlson and and others. But uh, can you talk about what you what you're seeing so far in front of you, and how excited you are for uh, for the season to start uh, next week?
2: Yeah, I'm seeing a very motivated group. Um, You know, a team that that is pissed off about not making the playoffs last year. Yeah, um, I think the the lengthier off season is has helped these guys physically and mentally. Uh, this this team's played a lot of hockey for a long time, and um, some of those guys needed a little bit of an extra breather. Um, you know, knock on wood, we're healthy right now, um, and guys have been unbelievable. Their practice habits have been great. Um, they're being open to different. Changes uh, with our staff and 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 some systems and whatnot, um, and they're hungry and they've won. I mean, that's they they know what it takes and they're bringing some of our young players into the mix now and and some guys that we've signed in the off season that that are going to have to help contribute to this team and we're going to need everybody. We're we're going to need guys to step up and we're going to need guys to have careers and and stay healthy and whatnot. But it's a very motivated group and, and honestly, Josh, they're unbelievable guys. They're, they're 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 true pros. Um, they they work like I mentioned, extremely hard in practice. Uh, always asking how your family, whatever. Like they're they're just salt of the earth people. Um, and it, it's been a lot of fun to get to know them because I, I you know again I grew up watching these guys play um, as a young coach uh, when they were kind of younger themselves. So yeah. here we are um, now. Now I'm kind of trying to help them along as a coach here and. and uh, but it's a fun group to go to the rink with each and every day right
0: now. Yeah, Jason Chimera is a friend of the pod and, you know, many years in that locker room with a lot of those leaders there. And he's uh, he's always said very highly uh, things about, uh, you know, the guys like Ovi and Backstrom and and many others and, you know, um, you know Tom Wilson. But uh, so it's a great group. We're going to be cheering for you here for sure. Um, Phil, I know you wanted to, you got two more questions to close out. So I'll toss it back to you to close it out here.
1: Yeah, just a couple things here really quick. Um, so how cool was it? So so we'll go back to Matthew Phillips for a minute here since uh since you you know him pretty well. How cool was it to to have him come over to Washington too at, at the same time? And uh how did that conversation go when, when that was all done and you were both there?
2: Yeah, I mean uh I, I talked to Matt a little bit. Prior to free agency, it just you know, uh, I, I wasn't even hired by anybody at the time, other than working for the Wranglers, and just was kind of asking, them, "Hey, like, where, where's your mind at?" I'm sure he was asked a hundred times, whether it was by the Flames or, or people around the city. Um, and 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 he's he's all business, this guy, you know. So he he was kind of very coy about about everything. Um. And, and I knew there was going to be heavy interest, as there should be. I mean, he's been unbelievable the last couple of years, and, and he's a great pro. He's good with the younger players. He, he works his ass off each and every day in practice, um, and he's a competitive guy that wants to win. Um, so those guys are going to get paid in pro hockey now. <laughs> yes. Whether you're in the American Hockey League or the NHL, those guys get paid. And, and so he he got everything he deserved by getting an NHL one-way contract. Uh, I know when July one hit here, it was twelve oh one or twelve oh two, and Spencer was calling them. And you know, the uh, organization—you know—I was only on the job for about ten days. Where they were asking me about him, and I, you know, I gave him my my opinion and my experiences with him, what I thought he could do. Um, And I've been a lot quieter now over the last couple weeks with training camp. I'm I'm letting them form their own opinions of him as a player and a person. Um, But now we're getting down the short strokes here, and and they're you know they're seeing a lot of the things that I I've seen for two years. And, uh, it's a cool story. And I, and I hope he can continue to finish this and and be an everyday NHL player. And, and, uh, because he, he, really does deserve it. He's a, I, I wouldn't say he's an underdog story because he's just a good person and a good hockey player. And he, he puts a lot of, lot of time and he's so determined that he deserves what he gets.
1: That's very true. Yeah. That's we're we're rooting for him big time here. And, uh, so, so I asked him today if he had anything on on you, and uh, he just said uh, you were coaching against him in junior when uh, you guys beat them in five overtimes. Uh, yeah. He said maybe you got a story about that night.
2: Man, that was wild! Um, unbelievable series. You know they had a great team, Victoria. For when when Matthew was there for those years, they had really good teams. Well coached. Dave Lowry was there um so it was a battle we had you know kevin constantine coach team very structured organized detailed whatnot um but yeah we were it was it was unbelievable i mean the longest game in chl history that's kind of cool to be a part of but man after a while you get into that third fourth fifth overtime you're just rolling you're just trying to find two defensemen i was running at the time like just who's freshest to go back out there and it was just, a, it was, uh, you know, it was the mind that was going to let go of the game. Um, and if you, I, I remember as clear as day, it was kind of the parting of the seas uh, by by the Victoria defenseman. One guy went down the wall. The other guy stayed on the weak side, shot got blocked, and there was just a clear lane up the gut. The, the other, the weak side defenseman should have been the middle part of the ice. It, it wouldn't have been a breakaway. Yeah. And then a cool story was Cal Babich, a guy that we called up from junior A, um, at the end of his junior A season, as an AP call-up and and scored you know a, a historic goal, is sticks in the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto. So um, that 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 was that was a fun night. Obviously, it was. If we lost. It wouldn't have been a fun night.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll 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 have to ask Matt if he's still a little bitter tomorrow when you see him. Hey, he, he, uh, it, that he brought that up. So
0: <laughs> okay, that <laughs> well, that's it for me. Man. I'll
1: let yeah,
0: <laughs> well, let Bosco close us out here um yeah so obviously earlier we talked about chris snow um i don't know if you had any dealings with him uh during your time but if you did maybe sh- if you can share but uh just kind of the the legacy that he's going to leave behind here and uh, the hockey community hockey community will mourn the loss but also celebrate the great life that he had
2: yeah um well obviously tragic i, I mean it's over the last couple of years, I've I've got to know Chris better. I, I first met Chris when I was playing in the Houston Minnesota organization. He, he was working for the Wild in, in a capacity there, and then fast forward whatever. It's been 15 years later. I'm I'm coaching the same organization that he's a system general manager in, and, and so I, if you ask anybody in the world that's met Chris Snow, and and, and you know this, Josh, like this. This guy is salt of the earth, family man. This guy is salt of the earth, human being to, to everybody. Um, no, w- what he and his family had to endure over the last four years in, in, in terms of that disease and the battle he, he put up. I don't think anybody's surprised that he, he went through that and, and kept battling. Um, and and uh, just because of just the person he is. And uh, I really feel for him, you know, it's obviously his wife, Kelsey, and the two kids. Yeah. Um got to know them a little bit here last year, um, you know, but, but a great, great man. And the legacy he's left behind in, in terms of the perseverance and, and resiliency of what he had to deal with in his family. Um, I know that organization we plan for Chris Snow this year
0: yeah yeah they they definitely will be in um yeah very nice words um you know one of the things we do ask uh, towards the end and and if you want it can go to this too but we always do a donation at the end for the guests that we have on and i don't know if there's any charities that you work with um that you can maybe plug and we like to kind of give back and that's kind of what our whole podcast is about so is there any charities that you work with um you know during your time in calgary or in in british columbia being there if uh
2: Uh, I'll leave that up to you, Josh. I, the big, the only thing I I'm really a, a big pro at in terms of, of it's near and dear to my heart is mental health. So whatever association that, that, that you guys are, are familiar with, uh, whether it's locally, uh, Calgary, what, whatever, I'll, I'll leave that up to you. you. And I can talk about that offline. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I've, I've had some close friends that have really dealt with a lot of mental health. I think it's a very, uh, it's a real thing it's a real thing and and uh that's really important to me yeah it is
0: um we just had uh, ron mclean and kelly rudy on uh last month is obviously uh suicide prevention month the month of september and uh, we had a full hour of that so uh we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, have a conversation about that offline here but uh mitch uh all the best to you this year um continued success um wishing you uh you and your your girlfriend and your entire family um the entire uh the best of luck um you know god bless you and uh, take care and we'll uh, we'll definitely keep in touch and when you make your way to alberta here uh maybe if you have time there's a steak dinner that we can take you out on and kind of catch up that way but uh thanks for your time tonight we really
2: appreciate it yeah thanks for having me on guys it's been a pleasure and uh, great to chat hockey and life with you and all the best to you guys thank you thank you